0: Good afternoon and welcome to Startup Nation, our weekly show that celebrates innovation and entrepreneurship. Startup Nation is brought to you by Dublin Business Innovation Centre where ambitious founders get support to start and scale new businesses. At Dublin BIC, we work with startups to get them investor ready and also to assist them raise funding needed to grow their business. I'm Connor Carmody, I hope you'll stay with me over the next hour as we explore emerging trends in the world of technology and business. And today we're going to be talking digital transformation. So what do we mean by that? Well, digital transformation is changing the way business gets done and in some cases creating entirely new classes of business. So with digital transformation, companies are taking a step back, revisiting everything they do from internal systems to customer interactions, both online and in person. So let's think about how digitalization has affected us, the general public. Take, for example, air travel. It's not so long ago we had paper tickets, booked through a travel agent. These days, a few clicks, not a scrap of paper, and you're flying high. You want to bring an extra bag, another click or two, and the ability to remember your password. Some other examples, banking. When was the last time you lodged a cheque? You can now revolut your pal, have money in their account instantly. And if I think about books, how many of you are buying your next book direct from your e-reader at any time of the day or night? And finally, you know, when we think about our mobile devices, there's not much you can't do on your phone these days. It's even become your personal taxi rank. So from a business perspective, this is a really exciting area at a very exciting time. And every business is looking to innovate to stay ahead of the competition. It's particularly exciting for startups. So much innovation is coming in the form of digital solutions designed to create value and drive revenue growth, all in tune with more sophisticated consumer demands. And companies are starting to ask big questions like, can we change our processes in a way that will enable better decision making, game changing efficiencies or a better customer experience with more personalisation? Later on this morning, we will be discussing a new initiative which is managed by Dublin BIC in partnership with Skillnet Ireland, and that's the Innovation Exchange, which is seeking to fast track innovation adoption and fast track deals for SMEs. It's an exciting opportunity for technology SMEs as well as for larger organisations to which are facing digital transformation challenges. And to help us work through this new world of innovation and transformation, we're going to hear from Mark Jordan. He's the Chief Technologist at Skillnet Ireland. He's an experienced and innovative leader with a successful track record of delivering results uh, across a range of industries and sectors. We'll hear from Katie Farrell, who's the founder of Squid. Katie is transforming the world of the traditional loyalty card with a loyalty app that keeps customers coming back and it's Ireland's highest ranked loyalty platform. And finally, we'll chat to Michael Culligan, the CEO of Dublin BIC, on supporting entrepreneurs, funding, innovation and his view on the digital transformation agenda. So each week we explore trends in a particular sector. We see what's happening both globally and on the ground. We discuss the challenges and the issues and the innovations that are being developed to solve these problems. And this afternoon, I'm delighted to be joined by Mark Jordan. And Mark is the Chief Technologist at Skillnet Ireland. Good afternoon, Mark, and welcome.
1: Good afternoon, Connor. Good to be
0: here. Thanks so much for joining us on this Sunday afternoon. Um, I was reading about Skillnet and the mandate is to ad- advance the competitiveness, the productivity and the innovation of Irish businesses uh, through enterprise-led workforce development. Maybe just to kick us off, tell us a little bit about Skillnet Ireland, Mark, and, and what it is that you're trying to achieve. Yes.
1: Yes. Um, Skillnet Ireland uh, is a an organisation founded, uh, established um, in the very late 90s, um, with the uh, purpose of being the voice of industry as industry defines its need for talent development. Um, and the way that we operate is uh, we draw down funding from the government via the National Training Fund. And we're responsible with for working with our partners who are distributed nationally and either focused sectorally or regionally um, with determining the needs of business in relation to skills, talent, upskilling, lifelong learning. We're working very closely with businesses defining their needs and delivering those training solutions, development solutions and lifelong learning solutions into the companies and into the employees within those companies. And we've been doing that for over 20 years. We're currently reaching in excess of twenty thousand companies each given year and training in excess of sixty to seventy thousand employees.
0: Fantastic. It's um it's it's some initiative. Um Thanks for that overview. We're we're today talking about about digital transformation um and how it's changing the world of business. Maybe we could start there with with your view on digital transformation and the impact that you're seeing uh on businesses.
1: Yes, well, well I guess by definition digital transformation is um a plan or initiative to to replace non-digital or manual processes or to replace old technology with with newer digital technology. Uh, And we're we're very acutely aware that a lot of businesses in Ireland uh, across all different sectors um, and of all different sizes from startups to well-established SMEs to medium-sized, large-scaling companies all the way up to multinationals have challenges Um, and and transformation challenges digitally and and are on a different pathway and a different level of maturity. Um, And so what we're trying to do and what we do is is we'll work with these companies and break it down into into five specific areas of of what we believe digital transformation is. And it's always going to be a combination of uh, technical and transversal training. So the first thing we do is is we look at the area, what we call is business systems. And that is to determine where the organization is in terms of developing a strategy and a digital strategy um, and helping the leadership understand that that is a top-down process but very much driven by requirements at the bottom up. So it's establishing, helping companies understand what they need to do to have that, that strategy in place. It's also incorporating what a transformational strategy might look like for an organization. What are they trying to change to become more digitally enabled and really helping them think about understanding and developing the talent so they can identify what those changes are. Other areas around understanding the value of data. Uh, There's a lot of hyperbole around data being an incredibly important asset. But how well do companies understand how to mine it uh, and unlock its value and and really make it, although it will never appear on a balance sheet, that type of fundamental asset that we all talk about?
0: So So, so, so would it be fair to say, Mark, uh, it's a lovely overview there. So there's a there's a technology challenge. There's a people challenge, one might say. And then there's this data challenge that you're introducing.
1: There is indeed, and there's, there's, there is indeed, and there's a, there's a cultural piece mm. of that as well, so it, all of these have to come together, and as I say, we, we work through a framework philosophy where we're identifying different areas to work with organizations, so the next area is around culture for us and, and helping develop the skills to have a culture in place around agility, resilience, collaboration and partnerships um and making sure organizations understand that that's a fundamental part of any kind of digital transformation
0: yeah which if i if i could ask you which of those is the the biggest challenge that business faces is it around i presume you can just find the technology you can but that maybe the culture is and the the upskilling of your people and your organization is that the big is that the big area that that companies need to work on
1: i think companies and, and we've learned this a lot in the last sort of 18 months through the pandemic, is that organizations are realizing that if they're going to be competitive, both domestically and internationally, they, they have to look at partnering and they have to look at collaborating yeah. as being a good source of of growth and prosperity. And that was something that was never really done before. So what we start to see as we bring organizations together is there's a lot more collaboration, there's a lot more of, of of opportunity sharing, challenge sharing, uh, how how organisations have overcome barriers, uh, and and there's a lot there's a lot more of that going on. And companies are seeing where they can connect with other domain experts to be to, to to build a better proposition.
0: Right. Um, your view then on on some of the new technologies and innovation that you're seeing as you look out across uh, across Ireland and, and further afield. What's what are some of the big um, trends that you're observing?
1: Well, I think a lot, a lot of organisations of. In, in most simplistic terms, are uh, moving on to have uh, taken an omni-channel approach to the way that they engage with their customers. So they've, if they were, had a pure bricks-and-mortar face, they're developing an online, uh, an online w- way to meet the needs of customers um, and, and understanding more about what that marketplace dynamic is for them to compete in. I think the bigger companies are starting to look at how they can adopt um, RPA or, or um, artificial intelligence into their value chain and into into their operating models as well. And what are the what are the components and software components that can be built in to add value to the way they're operating, both from a way that they face the customer and deliver services and products, but also how they manage and operate their 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 systems and their processes within the organisation. Just go
0: back on something, RPA, that seems interesting. Explain that to me, please, Mark.
1: So that's essentially using robots so, it's uh, robotic computing wow. and, and it's the development of, of, of um, robotic and cobotic technology. Again, it's, it's a different way, it's a different set of algorithms that could be used to essentially solve a problem or to, to identify different types of opportunities. We see that prevalent, very prevalent in areas like med tech, manufacturing, and certain engineering, the engineering sector here in Ireland, where that's being adopted quite heavily.
0: Yeah. Um, mark where are where is Ireland at on this journey to digital transformation in your view um are we well advanced or are we just at the beginning um, what's your take on that
1: i think I think it's a little bit sectorally specific um, I think generally given the high level of um, graduates that we have coming from our tertiary education system we've well equipped uh, individuals coming out of university who are very much digitally enabled, which helps um, and acts as a springboard for businesses to accelerate, because those are, that's the pipeline of talent coming into into organisations. I think we are we are well known and we're well ranked as and, and, as a strong adopter of of advanced technologies. I think where Ireland has a challenge. Um, and this again is is a well known well known challenges around uh, uh, bandwidth. So internet bandwidth is is a challenge, especially in rural communities. Mm. But also, organisations being able to um, to consider transformation. And I think. Where we where we lack and where we lag some of the other countries, especially in Europe and the member member countries of the European Union is around that is is that stagnation of SMEs is is the is the area of of poor performing or, or underachieving SMEs, but also we also lag slightly other, other top performing European countries in terms of lifelong learning. So those mm. en- engaged employees that are continually trying to upskill and upskilling themselves to continually try and remain competitive in the changing face of industry and the changing world of work.
0: Right. You mentioned there that we one of the areas we lag on is in SME and I presume SME innovation. Um, is that is that is what's what's behind that, do you think?
1: I think a lot of the SMEs um, in this country, uh, and they could be within a, in the food industry, in the farming industry, agriculture. Uh, they they could be second, third, fourth generation family-owned businesses that have um, their own way of working, and are somewhat resistant to change. And I think we we've had a seen that there's been there was a strong resistance to any kind of change up to the point where we started to go into lockdowns last march um, but now those organizations are starting to realize that they have to change so this is an enforced change that the pandemic has brought about so it's a little bit playing catch-up. We've got stronger engagement now with some of those SMEs who typically would never have engaged with Skillnet Ireland before in terms of transformational-type training programs. So we're seeing that, but it's a case of Ireland now playing a bit of catch-up. And, and I don't think it's unique. I think across Europe, rurally-based businesses are also the, the... There's also a lag in engagement there. Um, so so it is it is a race to... Becoming as competitive as we possibly can with SMEs who've historically been a bit lagging in in, in innovation, but are now starting to, uh, to 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 embrace the need for it.
0: Okay, um, the role of the startup. So at Dublin BIC, we work with startups um, and helping them kind of think about about the kind of growing and scaling their businesses. Uh, so before they become an SME they're a startup. Uh, it what's your sense on the the innovation arena uh, as it as it applies to startups in Ireland?
1: I think it's I think it's strong. I think there is a, an expectation of startup SMEs need to have a strategic approach to innovation. They need to be able to understand and have a strong knowledge of that marketplace they want to participate in. They need to really be laser focused on on the who the customer is, who the competitors are, and 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 having that unique and clear value proposition. They need to be able to, uh, and they understand the need to assess and develop core capabilities mm. such as culture, values, behaviours, knowledge, and and that all important skills piece. And finally, I think they're very open to establishing innovation techniques and systems to ensure uh, that they can they can Im- Im- improve that and that they understand that that's a core component as they look to scale you know, have increased funding, um, or, or whatever their whatever their goal is, respectively. So I I do think I do think it's a bit more cutting edge for these startups because I do think they go into it when they start to when they start to initiate their business plans. They go into it understanding all of the angles.
0: Yeah, and and then I suppose the the challenge then for for Ireland is to kind of take that innovation from SMEs uh, or from startups rather and make sure that it continues and moves on up into the SME and on up then into the corporate uh, space. Um. I suppose a question, Mark, maybe we're just coming to the end, but from your perspective, what's the most exciting innovation or trend that you're seeing around this uh, digital transformation space when you look out and what kind of, you, you say to yourself, well, this is, this is really big, this is a game changer?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think that I, I, go, I would go back to companies being more data-driven and understanding that there's value around that particular asset. There's been a lot of um there's a lot of there's a lot of support around data analysis, use of data, unlocking the value of data. Yeah. Uh, and I think companies are starting to embrace that. There's a fear factor as well. There's been a lot of high profile uh, issues around cyber threats, uh, around how to manage data, um, GDPR uh, restrictions and what that regulation means and how companies deal with it. But but really, that's noise. Uh, and I think as organizations start to think about how they can compete, either at a cost level, at a customer retention or growth level, or at a revenue production level, they understand that the data, the historic data are going to be clear and key indicators. As to how they move forward. And to me, that's the most exciting part, because I think we've been talking around, around data being this, this valuable asset for over a decade now. Yes. But I think it's starting to be, become a bit more real as ways of cataloging, classifying, tagging and, and being able to really extrapolate data from even the smallest database is becoming such a valuable, indicative tool for businesses.
0: Fantastic. Mark, thank you so much. Uh, That was a, a tremendous overview. And thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. It was great to chat with you.
1: My pleasure, Connor. Have a good afternoon.
0: Thank you. That was Mark Jordan of Skillnet. So, moving on, each week we bring you an innovator who has spotted a gap in the market and is developing a new and innovative way to address that gap. And they're going to tell us the why and the how. And I'm delighted to be joined this afternoon by Katie Farrell, who's the founder and COO of Squid Loyalty. Uh, Katie, good afternoon and welcome.
2: Good afternoon, Connor. Thanks for having me. Delighted to be talking today.
0: You're very welcome. Squid makes loyalty cards mobile. Um, Tell us all about Squid. What do you do?
2: Yeah, so Squid, we like to call it a loyalty community and we have over 500 local or independently owned businesses on the platform and over 40,000 people who use the mobile app. Um, I co-founded Squid in 2019 with my best friend from college, Matthew. Um, Our purpose at Squid is to basically authentically connect people through loyalty.
0: Oh, wow, fantastic. So you are replacing we're talking about digital transformation this afternoon and you're delivering yeah. on that so you're replacing the old loyalty cards that i would have had 10 of them in my wallet uh, and you're replacing that with an app
2: exactly yeah so with our mobile app basically you can have multiple loyalty cards for different businesses uh, on your phone and to collect a stamp you simply tap your phone and um, we have what's called a squid tag at the counter of uh, these like 500 partners and if you tap your phone off that it like adds a stamp to your squid wallet yeah and you can you know redeem your rewards etc through that um, you can also buy digital gift vouchers and you can discover local businesses and local offers around you as well
0: fantastic katie i met you a couple of years back and you developed this with matthew when you were in college you were you were finishing yeah. in trinity um, what prompted you to get started
2: Well, I think it was just, it it was one of those things that a lot of people always kind of said like, oh, you know, so many loyalty cards. It's weird that there's no simpler way of doing this. And it was just that idea that kind of had sparked it. And, yeah, we were in college together and we did a study abroad in uh, Berkeley, California. And I think it was there that kind of uh, made us more interested in entrepreneurship, um, being so near like Silicon Valley. And it was just something that, you know, we Got more interested yeah, in um, yeah. the idea of running our own business, and it was when we finished up our masters in Trinity. We studied engineering, so we were both kind of, you know, problem solvers at heart. And um, you know, we, we when we were in like a lot of the local cafes in Dublin, we noticed that like, yeah, most of these businesses were just using these paper loyalty cards. There didn't seem to be a go-to solution for them. Yeah, and that's kind of how we went about like solving the problem to start was about you know the consumer problem too many loyalty cards and you're always forgetting your loyalty cards and um, when we talked about how we'd actually develop this into a marketable product we realized it would have to be the businesses though that would be our customer so we did a lot of research with them we went in and talked to um a few hundred basically uh businesses and built up like a waiting list of the product. um and you know there we kind of saw so the business side of the problem, which was, you know, they, there was no way for them to analyze the usage of these loyalty schemes. There was no way for them to get back in touch with customers. There were some digital solutions on the market, but they either didn't like the user experience, they were too expensive, they didn't work with their TIL system. Yeah. So we wanted to develop something that was lightweight enough that any kind of business could use it. Yeah. Um. And that's kind of how we started with the problem, but like now, you know, we're kind of seeing that, well, we've got something that thousands of people are using every day because they're getting a takeaway coffee. And there's a lot we can do with that. There's a lot of different integrations and interesting kind of features we can add to this for both businesses and consumers.
0: Very good. So you've started with... The idea of a loyalty app, but as you yeah. as you're developing the business, then you're you're kind of saying, no, this could go lots of places. I saw on your website, um, one of your promises is transforming data into revenue for your for your uh, for your customers. Did I pick that yeah. up correctly?
2: Yeah, that's correct. So we have a business dashboard, and um, so the app. I mean, this is what the you know consumers see it, but, but the businesses get a dashboard with a lot of insights into you know, how their loyalty is being used, um, the different, you know, how how frequent people are visiting, the demographics of those users. And we've got a new feature in beta now, which is um, kind of campaigns and notifications. So businesses can run um, different campaigns so they can tell either their, you know, top uh, customers, like they, they can thank them basically, or they can, you know, incentivize people who have, dropped off i suppose to to come back like you know maybe with free coffee or something like
0: that okay so not just about managing the customer that's coming in in front of you but also then managing maybe your existing customer base or the lapsed customer base so by using the data there's lots of there's lots of room to expand uh, your offering and your kind of reach into the customers and um, can i ask you then your customer so are you focused on the coffee shop owner i'll, I'll use broadly the, the retail owner or the end user and are you targeting both of those or how does that work
2: so yeah it, we are essentially targeting both and um, for the users it's completely free though so we're not targeting them in terms of you know the revenue perspective but um, it, we do have to be both kind of B2B and B2C which is its own unique challenge when it comes to marketing and um, etc we you know we have a sales team that kind of focuses on the businesses but We've held off, I suppose, to a certain extent, on marketing B2C for quite yeah. a long time because our thought process was, well, the more businesses you add on, it is their loyalty scheme. It's their loyalty scheme, like, powered by Squid. Yes. So they're bringing more users onto the platform. Um, but now we're kind of at what we call probably a critical mass, probably in, like, Dublin anyway, uh, where it does make sense to start reaching out, you know, our, focusing our marketing on users as well and telling people about this app you know it's very useful uh, there's a lot of businesses on it and yeah, yeah but okay yeah we're that i mean it's something that the uh, you know other competitors we find have pretty much only focused on businesses yes so there's an opportunity business, for you yeah. maybe
0: to widen out as you develop yeah and um, Katie talk to me about how you developed this for for the two of you coming out of of college um taking it from from there to where now you as you say you've you've over 500 businesses you've you know you're you're building a very substantial business what was that journey like for you in terms of of the steps along the way
2: Yeah so obviously we had no idea really what we were doing <laughs> at the start, but um we were both working part-time to out of college. Um, we decided to just put our own money, basically, into getting a prototype built. So this is after talking to um, a good few businesses about their kind of problems or what they're currently doing with loyalty. We said, let's just get it like a simple, cheap prototype made. Um, so we got a developer on board, basically, to um, do that for us. And we... Oh, like. I created a design prototype, too, so that we had, you know, we were going into businesses and we were showing them, this is what it will look like, um, and this is how it will work as well. So the the kind of code that the prototypes that the developers had done, like, works with NFC tags. So we were able to demonstrate how, you know, you're tapping this object that you would have at the counter, yeah. and this is at a stamp. And there was basically just, like, that summer was just kind of spent building up kind of like a sales waiting list essentially um and showing them this product but we did decide to launch very lightweight um and we launched with only 10 businesses and very quietly too. so we kind of took the approach of rather than you know perfecting this over two years like we got the prototype you know started in march 2019 and we launched it then in the october so it was quite quick i suppose to, to roll it out but we reckon the doing it that way we learn a lot more faster by actually asking people to pay for it and yeah. getting real people using it straight away
0: essentially Roll it out yeah, quietly get some, some good feedback on board and, yeah. uh, and see where it goes um, Katie talk to me about funding you you took CSF uh, you, were, you yeah. were successful there with Enterprise Ireland um, are you considering or what does the journey ahead look like for you I guess in terms of funding and the vision for the company
2: so we, yeah, we, we raised um, a seed round there in uh, December. I uh, kind of finished it off in April. So that was, uh, we got match funding from Enterprise Ireland. Thanks. And the rest well was kind of, um, you know, a investment kind of fund yes. with a family friends as well. So sort of a small enough seed round basically to um, help us achieve targets this year that we had. Uh, obviously with COVID, that was a bit of a challenge, There last year, you know, like the coffee restaurant industry was hit a lot at the start. Now it's it's kind of it's had a comeback. There's a lot of like mobile coffee units and stuff opening up. But like this year is for us is a lot about like growing the size of the platform. So getting a lot more businesses on board, um, both in Ireland and launching in the UK too. Right. So that that round has allowed us to you know grow the size of the team, increase the sales team and the product team. Um, so we can achieve that growth, basically.
0: Fantastic. Katie, it's been wonderful talking to you this afternoon. And uh, can I wish you the very best of luck as you develop the business into the future?
2: Thanks a million, Connor.
0: Thanks, Katie. And that was Katie Farrell of Squid Loyalty. Listening to our conversations this afternoon, it's very clear that we are in the middle of a significant shift in how we are doing business. I heard recently a comment that we were at the start of the fourth industrial revolution, um, an interesting way of describing... I suppose, the blurring of boundaries between the physical, digital and biological worlds. And I suppose it describes advances in artificial intelligence, AI. We've heard about robotics, Internet of Things we've explored on this show, uh, genetic engineering, quantum computing. Uh, it's all very exciting and, and a little bit scary, I guess. But the question is, how can businesses access the innovations required to keep them ahead of the game? Well... Enter the Innovation Exchange. It's a new initiative that I mentioned earlier. And the Innovation Exchange uh, has been working with participating companies like Ryanair, Microsoft, IBM to understand their digital transformation requirements. And now we're on a mission to find the solutions. So the Innovation Exchange is recruiting technology SMEs with ambitions to scale and a proven ability to create and deliver digital transformation solutions. SMEs can now apply to be part of the Innovation Exchange Phase phase 1, which starts in July this is a no-brainer for any business, let me tell you, that is looking to innovate. So do make sure to check out the innovationexchange.ie. After the break, we're delighted to be joined by Michael Culligan of Dublin BIC. He's the CEO. We're going to discuss everything from how to start up, how to scale. Uh, we'll cover securing funding because not only does Dublin BIC do venture funding, but it manages the largest business angel network in Ireland, h He's well-placed to talk to us on that. We'll understand some supports, we'll understand the importance of network, and hopefully he'll talk to us a little bit about the innovation exchange. So don't go away. So welcome back to Startup Nation. It's our weekly look at innovation, entrepreneurship and the technologies that are shaping our future world. This afternoon, we've been talking about digital transformation, innovation and future trends in business. And to help us work through this, I'm delighted to welcome Michael Culligan, who's the CEO of Dublin BIC. Good afternoon, Michael. You're welcome. And thanks for joining us today.
3: Connor, good afternoon. Absolutely delighted to be here and join the program.
0: Thanks so much, um, Michael. Fill us in. Uh, tell us a little bit about you and your background. You're a Clareman.
3: I am actually, you're Thanks very much for that, Connor. <laughs> I won't hold uh, it against
0: you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we, ha- we haven't we haven't time to go through all of that, but I suppose with the GAA hat on, hope springs eternal this time of the year <laughs> <laughs> for all of us. <laughs> um, my my, ba- my background, I guess, is technology originally, Connor. Um First job, actually, was a long way away in a place called Saudi Arabia for a couple of years. And then I escaped out of there and stopped off in London on the way back. Spent five years in the city of London and changed into the business side of things. And then returned to Ireland um, and spent a decade with an Irish company. Uh, five of those years here in Ireland and five traveling the world, uh, selling embedded software and silicon chips. And that took me all around the world to... Japan, and China, and Europe, and all sorts of places, yeah. and then um, more recent years, uh, set up my own business and started working with SMEs, and got involved with the oh, Dublin Business Innovation Centre quite some time back, and I suppose, you know, you don't know what you're looking for until you find it, yeah. but um, yeah, I very, very much enjoyed the buzz of uh, working with early stage companies, the and start-up. that's yeah. a very, yeah, startups and scale-up companies, so it's a very short uh, version of the background,
1: and uh, yeah.
0: There's a lot, a lot crammed in there. So, yeah, yeah, broad commercial background. Tell us, uh, Michael, about Dublin BIC. Um, what's, what's the core purpose? What does Dublin BIC do?
3: Yeah, thanks, Conor. The core purpose is probably very clear, really. I mean, Ireland is an economy, it's a small, open economy. If you are to do business out of Ireland, you have to be born global. That's the reality of it. And our role at Dublin BIC, really, is to make it easier for you to start, and for that matter, scale, a technology business out of Ireland. Uh, we do that probably in two main ways. One is by providing business advice, and the second is funding or access to funding. In terms of business advice, what do I mean by that is well, we help you to navigate your way through um, that journey of starting a business, and, and we help you in ways like putting your business stand together or your investment memorandum or your pitch deck or your finances or connectivity to entrepreneurs who've done it before, who maybe can help you out. And um, the second area I referred to was funding. And you know, funding is very important for companies at the right time, once they've figured out that they have something that the marketplace wants. And we do a couple of things in that area. We run the business internet network on the island of Ireland called h and that's very significant, bringing money into about 50 companies a year. And we also then briefly... Run a seed or a seed uh, to Series A venture fund, which is something uh, the Ireland Ireland Smart Tech Fund, and that's uh, something we're very proud of. It's backbone by a lot of entrepreneurs who put money in along with Enterprise Ireland to help the next generation.
0: Right. So, so it's it's the advice, the support, the guidance, and then it's it's they, they say that everyone wants the advice, but what they really want is the money. So they they come, you work with them, you get the you get them ready, and then put them in front of the funders to raise the funds.
1: Indeed
3: it is, Connor. and I suppose what we should also call out, I mean, you know, the reason we're doing it, the reason this is important, I suppose, is it's ultimately about what I would call economic wealth creation. What is that really? Well, that is basically the creation of high-quality innovation-based jobs, and we need those. Why? Well, we need those so the next generation of kids can go to college and get educated well, and, um, you know, it's all really about putting a stronger lens or focus on indigenous entrepreneurship. Ireland has a, a lot of FDI activity here, which is important. Foreign direct companies, but actually taking responsibility for ourselves through enhanced indigenous entrepreneurship and creating high quality jobs is ultimately what all this is about. Right. Yeah. So what
0: does so what does success look like for you in Dublin, Big Michael? When you when you sit with your board on an annual or basis, and what does success? What are you what are you trying yeah. to do? What does what are the numbers or what are the facts that underpin that?
3: Thanks, Conor. I mean, you know, the way I think about that, actually, is I think of it through the lens of some of the companies that we would engage with. And if I think back, I could think of, let's say, people like Brendan now, who started a company LearnUpon. You know, Brendan came in to us in 2013 when he was starting that business. And at that stage, he was himself and his colleague, Des Anderson, two people. And they were starting a business for a learning management platform, software to make it easy for companies to facilitate training of employees. And those guys now have grown, grown dramatically. And here we are, a short eight years later, and you know those guys raised fifty million dollars um, last year, and they're employing wow. about three hundred people. So success for me actually is seeing it playing some small part um, for us as an organisation in helping companies like that to realise their own vision, but also therefore to create these high quality jobs, etc.
1: You know, another example
3: would be someone like uh, Michael Feen, and I think we had on one earlier. Yes, and, that's correct. Uh, yeah. Programs, yeah. So, you know, Michael leads a really innovative, Michael's an engineer by training, leads a really innovative company called Grid Beyond, which is smart energy technology, smart grid, really relevant, obviously, with sustainability becoming coming into play in a major way nowadays. And there's a list of lots more of these, Connor. And But ultimately, that's actually um, what success looks for, like for me, is helping those companies on that journey.
0: Helping those companies, yeah. Mm. Talk, uh, you've mentioned kind of, you know, Ireland and the impact on Ireland. So so entrepreneurship in Ireland today, if I asked you to describe it to me, what's going on?
3: It's a very good question, Connor. And like all these things, it's all relative. So I think the level of entrepreneurial activity in Ireland today, you know, has moved on so much, even if I look back to a decade ago. And uh, that's in both a volume of activity, um, but particularly more so perhaps in the, number of high-quality companies. So there are a lot of companies you know, trying to do entrepreneurial things. Not all of them by any means whatsoever, to ever succeed. And actually, we have to acknowledge that the startup landscape out there can be a little bit confusing. And One of the things we try and do, obviously, at the organization of Dublin BIC, is to help people to navigate through that. But I am overall extremely optimistic about our link in terms of entrepreneurship I see that through the likes of some of the companies that are making um, the speed at which they're now succeeding. There's a greater, um, I suppose, um, what's that? Uh, positivity. Mm. There's a greater, um, uh, not just desire, but ability for some of these. And we're actually starting to see it in terms of second and third time entrepreneurs. So more, more mature entrepreneurial societies like the state and the West Coast of the States, it's very common to have people, you know, doing their second and third company. And I think we're still early, we have to acknowledge, in terms of entrepreneurship in Ireland. And it's something that definitely needs to be celebrated more. It needs more support at a government level. But we have moved in the right direction, certainly, Conor.
0: Right. And um, in terms of the supports that are available, I I mean, Enterprise Ireland play a key role underpinning a lot of this activity. Um, How would you describe the supports that are available to kind of those first time and, and, and scaling entrepreneurs at this point?
3: Great question. And a good way of looking at that, actually, is, you know, Ireland now. There is, of course, about 20 percent of the people living here weren't born in the country. And, you know, like one of the things we do is we run a place called the Guinness Enterprise Centre. And, you know, pre-pandemic, there were about 400 people in that. And, you know, there'll be a lot more afterwards with uh, an expansion that we've carried out there. But about 30 something percent of the people there are people who are born outside of Ireland. And if you talk to people like that, they're extremely positive about the supports that are available, and Enterprise Ireland plays a major role in that. So I think the combination of public support and private support in Ireland is actually very good. The one thing I say is sometimes it can be a little confusing for new people out there, yeah. um, but there are the supports are there, and they are both financial and advisory. For companies at different stages. Now, of course, you could talk to lots of wannabe entrepreneurs out there and they'll say there's no funding there. And of course, the nature of an entrepreneur is that they can't get access to funding. That's what they're going to say. And um, I think there is certainly always need for more funding at the early stage. That's the place we're focused. Yeah. That's why went, that's we, we we ourselves went to bring about a new C to A fund because there's a gap in that earlier stage area. But there is funding there, no question whatsoever, and good companies will get access to funding. Um, There are opportunities, I think, for us at a policy level to do a little bit more in terms of, uh, I suppose, um, supports for people who are taking risks by putting money into early-stage companies. And I sometimes think that there can be a reluctance at a government level because, obviously, we have a a coalition environment in Ireland in recent times. That makes it harder to make decisions where you might be accused of you know, giving tax breaks to, um, I suppose, uh, sometimes it would be accused of giving tax breaks to fat cats or whatever, but I don't see it like that whatsoever, I I mean, people who are putting money into early stage companies are serious risk takers and they should be rewarded. and yes. They have to create jobs.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's interesting just as you're talking about funding, because, yeah. you know, I, I, like you, would sometimes hear that there's not money available. And, and people would say, you know, if I went to London or if I went to the States, mm-hmm. there's loads of money available. Mm-hmm. But like we're a small country, uh, mm-hmm. is there capital available? I think would be the question if I'm at that early stage or indeed at the scaling stage.
3: Because it's a very interesting, and it's, it's the narrative that's around all the time about faraway fields are all extremely green. Look, <laughs> there, there is no question whatsoever the quantum of funding that's available in some of the places you're talking about is much more significant. And then as a result, sometimes the valuations are higher, of course, and that's yeah. attractive. However, people need to be very, very aware that you are not going to get that money easily. That yeah. doesn't mean you can't get it. Yeah, yeah. And there are examples... But most people who acquire that funding, you know, they uh, maybe move themselves, headquarter themselves in the States or whatever. And actually, we would have arranged a range of companies we'd have worked with over the years in our previous fund who in follow-on rounds would get money from those places. Back to Ireland in terms of is there funding available? I mean, the numbers overall would show that there's more funding available than there ever was in the whole venture capital area. I think what I would acknowledge is um, that there is still room for more um, funding in the earlier stage area. And, uh, you know, we want to see more of that activity because it's those early stage guys that become the scale-up or the larger companies later. Uh, now, there is an acknowledgement of that uh, at a policy level. And, you know, I think there's more will more will be done. So there is funding. Probably could do with some more at the early stage area.
0: Yeah, yeah. Last uh, question around kind of the Dublin BIC and the entrepreneurial ecosystem. Um, you obviously work with hundreds of companies each year. Um, it's still... A thriving ecosystem. Any companies on your radar that you're thinking to yourself, well, these guys are going to be big. Uh, we're working with them. They've raised funds. These guys are, are the next big thing.
3: Yeah, I mean, there are some. I suppose the commentary there, Connor, would be, and it's interesting when you're around this for a while. Is uh, you know the level of company that's around now, if I see it, compared to ten years ago, their ambition is the word i was struggling for earlier. Actually, yeah. is you know is much greater. I think, and that's a really good thing. However, we can never, ever, ever be complacent because, of course, the world is full of very smart people. And in other countries, the bar continues to get raised higher all the time. But I would be very enthused and encouraged, you know, some of the companies more recent times. We see there through Dublin Big, uh, with the likes of Buy Me, with Devin Hughes, with his yeah. grocery app growing dramatically. Charlie Deeson, with his uh, Zip, mobility, Zip Mobility. the scooters, uh, yeah. Exactly, in a very timely uh, companies like Sonia Neary with uh, Wellola, based yes. up in the GEC, video consultants, the technology for connecting patients with consultants and hospitals. And actually, I don't want to give a shout out to also based in the GEC, but C- Cellular Medical. Right. You know, one, one of the areas that um, lung cancer will be the number one, number two cancer in the world. And early detection is a huge part. It helps greatly. And that's usually done through biopsy but about one in three biopsies end up with collapsed lung. And the guys, right. Garish and uh, Colm, have a solution to address that, which is hugely impactful. And, of course, we see others then, maybe the, we didn't deal with a Dublin big, but I see the likes of Let's Get Checked there with, P- with um, Peter Foley, yeah. who set up in 2015. And these guys are going to have 600 people or whatever implied. And that's what we're talking about here. And that's why this Indigenous entrepreneurship is enormously important for us at Ireland and Right.
0: You mentioned ambition there and it begs the question, what, and you've looked at lots of these companies over the years, what is the determinant of success? What's the X factor that some of these guys have that allows them or that says when you look at them, you go, these are going to be really successful. Is there something that you look at in these companies go, yeah, these guys are going to make it?
3: And what's the elixir that it's a great question Carla, and um you know uh, so I do have a clear view of suppose the things that that I see is very important um first of all I, I definitely like to see people who are you know passionate about what they're doing, but why is that? well the journey of starting and scaling a business is a tough journey. very few people make it for me to be without some significant uh, challenges in between. So it's really important that you're doing something that, you're, that you love, you're passionate about, because that will see you through tough times. Yeah. The second thing, I think, is absolute clarity of vision about what you're seeking to achieve. Now, that's not blind clarity, but it is, you know, have it, you know, what are your next star? What are you looking to achieve? You might have to vary a little bit in between. And I suppose finally, you know, to deliver on that, I think it's resilience. And as leaders then who want to surround themselves are really, really,
0: really good people. Very good. Michael, we've been talking this afternoon um, around innovation and digital transformation and the changes that are happening all around us. What's your sense on on that innovation agenda?
3: Yeah, I've probably got two, two observations there, Connor. First of all, innovation at its core has been around forever and will be around forever. And, you know, needn't be that complex innovation at one level is doing something better and much better than before in a more efficient manner and this whole idea of creative destruction is so so important i mean kind of a little snippet i suppose is research many years ago would have shown that the s&p 500 in the united states the top 500 companies that the average age of a company in that was about 60 years back in 1958 in right. 2016, when that research was done, the average age of a company uh, was 18 years. That it would last on that. Right. And, M- and McKinsey research would show that the S&P 500 today, that by you know 2030, that um, 75% of those companies would be gone. So yeah. what do I mean by all that? I mean that companies get complacent, and large companies are not always as good as they could be at innovation. And that's where young companies come in, because young companies are nimble. They can be innovative, and you know the idea then is to try and bring those two together a
0: little bit. Yeah. Um, so, and we've we've been talking then around kind of digital transformation, and and uh, we we mentioned this um, earlier on. We were talking with Mark uh, from Skillnet Ireland, and we were talking about the Innovation Exchange. Um, so Dublin BIC is working with Skillnet across, I think, quite a number of programs. Um, before we come to the uh, the Innovation Exchange.
3: Indeed, yes. Skillnet, of course, are the, the government agencies Mark would have outlined, whose role is essentially to assist with upskilling. Enormously important. I mean, there's an acknowledgement to the in the at a policy and a government and a national level here that while FDI, foreign direct investment companies, are continuing to do extremely well, that SMEs are, you know, challenged somewhat more. We see that even recently with the pandemic, where 70% of SMEs have, you know dropped sales or the sales have reduced yeah, whereas yeah. foreign direct companies continue to do very well so there's a genuine uh, concern that uh, uh, upskilling is really really important Um skillnet is filling that gap we're already engaged for the last number of years with uh, in particular the animation skillnet a sector that's done extremely well and the animation skillnet um, has been very very well received in the marketplace and more recently then with Green skill nets and immersive technology skill nets, yeah. and now, of course, um, most recently we're just starting a pilot right now with the Innovation Exchange, and and the idea of that Innovation Exchange and skill nets is very much so is to connect innovative startup scale up companies with good technologies and connect those with uh, multinationals, Irish or international, and to bring those together.
0: Yeah, you you were just talking there about kind of the the. Um the notion that companies don't evolve and that they, they go out of business. They, they focus on the status quo and lose their way a little bit. Is there a particular problem that you're trying to address with the innovation exchange, which is around maybe the larger companies are slow to innovate and that the smaller companies, the SME, struggle to talk to them? Is there a kind of a, a language difficulty, if I could use that?
3: You know, th- I think uh, we could use the term never a profit in your own land a little bit. If I look at some many of the really good companies we've worked with over the years, uh, had the privilege of doing so in Dublin Business Innovation Centre, um, some of them often succeed abroad before they do here in yeah. Ireland or domestically. Um, so it can be difficult for you know, good, fast-tracking, uh, fast-scaling um, younger companies to connect with multinationals successfully. So there is a problem, I think, in getting them together. So the idea of the innovation exchange is at one level, recognizing that and acknowledging it's the large corporates, it's not that they don't want to innovate and they're innovative in certain innovative in certain ways of what they do at the moment, but they tend not to be good at doing new innovation because it's difficult because of existing cultures, et cetera. Yeah. On the other hand, young companies are of course fantastic and innovating. Because if you're a young company and you want, to set, if you want to set up a company, you've got to do one of two things. You've got to eat somebody else's lunch, which <laughs> is very difficult. Yeah. Because they won't give it up too easily. Or you've got to create something totally new, which is where innovation comes in. So the idea then of the Innovation Exchange really is to acknowledge that some of these larger companies in areas like digital transformation um, and others um, have requirements that perhaps could be meshed by some of the innovations that have been created by the young scale-up companies and to try and bring those together. And look at the program itself then acknowledges the fact that maybe as you said, there's a bit of a language challenge so the first thing is a bit of education about knowledge sharing and then it's about access about bringing it together from both sides and then it's enabling collaboration between them. Yeah. But ultimately it's about hopefully, um, you know, creating pipeline opportunities and creating deals or business between these organizations to mutual benefit.
0: Okay, um, it sounds fascinating. So, and we mentioned that uh, Innovation Exchange. ie, if somebody wanted to go and look at that, um, could I just look at your view on some of the new technologies uh, that are underpinning this this kind of shift that we're seeing at the moment? I mentioned the the fourth industrial revolution, and and yes. um, so what are some of the technologies that you're seeing um, that that kind of interest you? Yeah, look,
3: there's an awful lot happening, probably in the areas of artificial intelligence. Certainly robotic automation, one area of that will continue to grow and grow over the coming years is cybersecurity. Obviously, that's come into the public domain a lot more recently with the uh, attack on the HSE system, but mm-hmm. it was already there in a major way. You know, I think you know future uh, international uh, differences are already being addressed through attacks through cybersecurity, even at government levels. And so these are major challenges and there are major opportunities Um, I think advanced intelligent video technology. I think of a company actually like Evercam, um, who we've dealt with at uh, Dublin Big ourselves. These guys have advanced video technology for the construction industry, which goes all the way from automated and maybe monitoring what's happening on the site to the number of lorries coming in, to what they contain, etc. So it's bringing levels of automation. Uh, Areas like climate change, certainly, um, bring major opportunities as well. But maybe one observation, and you were asking me earlier about digital transformation... And it's just a slightly different, you know, uh, maybe look at it. If I go back and look at dot um, .com era and e-commerce, as the term was, yeah. nobody talks about e-commerce anymore, Connor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you and I remember it. Yes. And, you know, there was a time when like, e-commerce was the next thing. It was the big thing. If you, were, didn't, if you weren't in e-commerce, you were going to be dead. Yeah. And, of course, it was all correct, but it takes a bit longer, all of it. And, of course, eventually you stop using the term e-commerce. It just becomes part of day-to-day business. So with regard to digital transformation, some of these changes were already underway prior to the pandemic. Most certainly they've been accelerated by that, which I think is a good thing. And, you know, they're really, Ireland is very well placed in this regard because strong software skill set in the technology area. But no doubt whatsoever in a number of years time, we won't be talking about digital transformation. It'll just be an inherent incumbent part of your business that's required to survive and, and prosper.
0: Yeah, yeah, and there is always that piece at the start of uh, at the start of something new. It gets a label, and then it just becomes business as usual, Absolutely and, and we get on with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What are the opportunities, uh, from your view, for startups? So we we there's there's obviously a big push for for this digital transformation. We're at the early stage of it. Um, where where do the opportunities arise for startups?
3: Because I think Connor, we've probably covered a little a little bit of this. Startups are just ideally. Um, positioned to take advantage of uh, change, we refer to this sort of creative destruction, which causes uncertainty. And no matter how much larger companies try and address this, there's an old saying of sort of culture eating strategy for breakfast. And you know, I remember many years ago Andy Grove, uh, who led Intel, you know, was trying to bring a change into that large organisation when they were mo- moving from their original days of memory chips to the uh, processor. And he couldn't um, really make it happen. He got to the stage that uh, if there was a meeting that wasn't about the new direction, he didn't even go to it to try and get the message across. So large companies, despite knowing the need to change, can find it hard to do. So therefore, I think the startup and scale-up companies are just so well positioned um, to come up with new ideas and then to bring these into the into the world, first of all, and then maybe in a symbiotic manner, partner with some of the larger companies. And the areas of particular opportunities, I think, are across, you know, the creation of marketplaces, uh, using software for those learning management platforms. But sometimes it things like, there was a company number a few years back, there, DecaWave, who yes, we dealt yes. with. And DecaWave, you know, again, it's the entrepreneurial story. I actually worked with one of the promoters, Michael McLaughlin. He was the technology guy there, and his colleague, Kieran Connell. And, you know, they worked many years ago with an Irish startup company within, set up their own company with two people. And, you know, they sold there about a couple of years ago for um, 400 million. And they have wireless technology that's embedded on silicon chips that has the short range communication. All that feeds in nowadays, of course, to Internet of Things and there being connectivity to the Internet from not just our phones, but all sorts of machines, etc. So, yeah.
0: Okay, very interesting. Michael, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, It's been great to have you on. It's been great to hear about kind of the innovation agenda and uh, to hear then uh, around the innovation exchange as well. So uh, thanks for joining us this afternoon and uh, for, for giving us those insights. Thanks very much, Conor.
3: Delighted
0: to do so. Great. Thanks, Michael. That was Michael Culligan of uh, Dublin BIC, the Dublin Business Innovation Centre. Um, so that's it for this week. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our discussion on digital transformation and the opportunities that it presents. Um, there's a lot happening. There's a lot of new technologies. There's a lot going on there. Um, and do uh, find the time to have a look at the Innovation Exchange. Uh, and if you're know if you a company looking to, to grow and sell into corporates and into multinationals, we're certainly delighted to help you. Do join us again next week. It's our final show in the first series of Startup Nation um, and we'll have an exciting show for you next week. We hope that the stories you heard today will inspire you. If you have a great idea and you're thinking of starting or scaling a company, if you would like some support, do get in touch with us at startup at dublinbic.ie. That's it for this week. Join us again next week at 12 noon for Startup Nation.